worship team. That was so beautiful, so grateful for the way you guys hosted Jesus this morning. And yeah, his mercy and his love is so tangible in the room. And my some of my beautiful brothers have already preached half of the gospel already just in that communion time. But <laughs> it was it was really strong actually on my heart um, in the early hours of the morning. Um, I love sleep. Eight hour sleeps is my dream. So when the Lord wakes me up and I'm like wired in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh, okay, he's got something to say. And it was actually that the gospel needs to be preached this morning. Um, and his blood needs to be um, experienced. Um, there's people in this room who haven't responded to the blood of Jesus. And it does. It speaks the better word. It speaks the word of mercy over our lives. And um, I was a wretched sinner. Yeah, I was, a, I was a drug dealer and, um, yeah, very hostile towards God. I was an atheist um, and, and he drew me to himself and, and his blood washed over me and, and actually brought me into a close relationship with Jesus. And I think sometimes we can, we can get familiar with the blood of Jesus and I just would hate for us to become familiar with it. And... Um, some of you need to hear about his blood this morning because you haven't responded um, to the call of God on your life, which is to receive Jesus and to receive the washing of his blood. And it's, it's only by his blood that we're brought near. There's nothing in us that has the power to draw ourselves to God. We, we require and desperately need his blood. And my heart was against God. My heart was a heart of stone. It's only by His grace and it's only by the sprinkling of that blood that, that I could actually come to Him and be acceptable. Um, even what Benny, Benny was sharing, we do come to Him black because we come to Him covered in sin. Our good deeds are as filthy rags. Our own righteousness is nothing. Like we have nothing to bring to God before His blood touches us. We just have actually a repentant heart, a broken and contrite heart He will not despise. And, and some of you in this room, many of you have responded already to, to the blood of Jesus and, and you've received its washing. And its washing is faithful to cleanse and purify you of all sin and all unrighteousness. But, but some of you have, have not received the washing of the blood of Jesus. So I, f- I feel that the Lord really encouraged and prompted me just to share that with you, that, that his blood is faithful to cleanse you and his blood, he dripped blood from that whipping post all the way to that cross for you. Each drop of his blood he shed for you. We need, we need to receive his blood and, and it takes humility. And we can't do it in our own strength. I can't acknowledge Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. And so, and so some of you this morning actually need to respond. The Holy Spirit is, is actually convicting your heart. And there is, like my brother saying, there is no shame in repentance. There is no shame in coming to Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No one here is going to condemn you. No one here is going to make you feel ashamed. But the Lord is calling you to himself. He, he didn't die so that you stay separate from him. He died so that you could come into relationship with him. And, and for me, I just felt very strongly this morning to share that with you. And yes, it's for a few in this room, but for that, for that few, it, it is so necessary and essential you hear that. Um, that Jesus loves you, that he gave himself for you, but he gave himself for you to have you. He didn't just give himself for you, for you to do nothing with it. 
his, the price of his blood needs to be honoured. And you're going to honour that with your soul that you give to him and your life that you give to him. And so I just encourage you, and I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to do an altar call. Your heart is going to feel that the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to be with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is, is fit and able and fully capable to bring you to him. I was a wretched sinner. My heart was hard and cold towards the living God. But he drew me by his blood. It says that in Ephesians 2 verse 13. For those who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That's been the experience of my life. And, and, and he is speaking that to, to those who need to hear that this morning. So I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, you are faithful to save us. I thank you, you are faithful to cleanse us of all of our sin. That you became sin who knew no sin. You became our sin. So that we could be in resurrection life with you. So we could be joined with you. So that you could call us holy and we could believe it. Because you have sanctified us and cleansed us and washed us. Your blood is all powerful. And your blood is fit and able to break every chain, every addiction. And I just pray right now, Jesus, anything that is hindering the hearts of those in this room from coming to you, you would break those chains of addiction. You would break those chains of deception that say, I'm not able to come. Jesus is calling you to come. He is calling, his blood is calling you to come. The blood of Abel asks for vengeance. His blood calls you to come by his mercy. Respond to the mercy of Jesus. You're, going to, you're only going to have so many options to respond. Here is one right now. Respond to the mercy of Jesus. And we invite you to come, Holy Spirit. We thank you. You're already here. Yeah. We thank you that, that you know how to glorify Christ. You know how to show Jesus to us as Lord and King. And I pray we'd respond to, to the King of glory accordingly. In Jesus' name. We need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot please God. Without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing in us that is of value. We are a vessel that is created to have value. And it's by His Spirit we have that because we become a temple. But a temple that is empty is worthless. A temple that is not fulfilling its purpose that it was created for is worthless. If you think about like a wine decanter, it doesn't fulfill its purpose if it's not full of wine. It looks, you know, ornate and beautiful. And some of us do in the natural, right? Ornate and beautiful people we are, especially here. <laughs> but without the filling of the wine, without the filling, without the filling of the Holy Spirit, you're actually purposeless because that is the purpose you're created for, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so again, I say a temple empty is worthless. And so you're all created in this room to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's important for us to understand how precious and valuable it is that Christ made us a temple. But it's even more important that we understand what the temple's to be filled of. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 6.19. I'm going to be moving through scripture quickly, so if you're really quick with your thumbs, enjoy. But I'm not going to take too long on, on many of these scriptures. I'm going to be making reference to them. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? 
For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. The price you've been bought with is the blood of Jesus, which is why our body is not even our own. Our body is for the Lord. Our body is for the Lord. It belongs to Him. He comes inside, He takes possession, and this isn't in a controlling way. This is because He loves you too much not to fill you. He loves you too much to withhold Himself from you when you've actually given yourself to Him. You have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Your body is created and destined to give Him glory and honor Him in everything. I'm going to speak some verses about our identity so that we can understand what it means to come to Him and the marriage that we're in with Christ and the one we have left. Romans 7, verse 6 and verse 4. Now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So by the blood of Jesus, we have been released from the law and we have died. We entered into His death with Him. So that which we were bound to, which was the law, is now broken off our lives. And so now we serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter of the law. We weren't able to fulfill the letters of the law. Jesus has fulfilled it. And so we get to receive the provision of his righteousness that he gives to us. We cannot fulfill the letter of the law. We are called to live in the newness of the Spirit. Verse 4, you are made to die to the law through the body of Christ. This word made to die or phrase made to die is thanatao, which is to put to death. It's to actually render extinct and destroy. So you were made for the mindset of the flesh, the, the law of sin and death, to be actually destroyed and put to death through the body of Christ, through his death, to be rendered extinct. And then the next uh, verse says, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. This word might be joined is genomai, which is to come into existence, begin to be, receive being. So the death leads us to life. The death leads us to actually existing and, and being born into what we were created to be in, which is the new covenant with Jesus, being married to him, being joined to him, might be joined to another, the one who is raised from the dead. Second Corinthians 6.13 through to 18. Verse 14 reads, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Satan, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols. The do not be bound together it may read in your Bibles, do not be unequally yoked. The Apostle Paul is actually forbidding Christians to have intercourse with idolaters. This is speaking of our joining to um, the covenant God's called us into, being that we wouldn't be joining ourselves with those who are worshipping idols. For what fellowship is there? What, what ability, what agreement is there as us, the temple of God, which, which Paul is referring to, to be joined to those things? So we're not to be joined to these things, which carries us into a revelation um, in verse 16, which Paul says, We are the temple of the living God, just as God said. 
I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So there is a cost to actually keep the temple holy. His Holy Spirit is what makes us holy, but we're called to actually remain pure. His blood has cleansed us and purified us. It's our responsibility not to go and then join ourselves with things in the world, not to go and give ourselves to things in the world. We're actually to consecrate ourselves by the Holy Spirit, be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's full reliance and dependence on Him, but it means that we actually we will be separate from this world. We will not look like this world. James 4, verse 4 to 7 says, Do not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5, Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit He made to dwell in us. God has a, a fierce jealousy for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in your being and fill you completely. He is jealous for it to be what takes up full residence in your being. He made it to dwell in you. Your purpose as His temple is that the Holy Spirit would fill you. Again, I say only you are only a temple that has importance, purpose and value because of the one who is in you. A temple without the Holy Spirit is purposeless and should be thrown on the rubbish heap. Everyone's intention and purpose is for them to be a temple, but you're only truly fulfilling that destiny and purpose when you have the Holy Spirit in filling, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. I felt to read verse 6 and 7 too. The Lord says, But He gives a greater grace. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, Submit therefore to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It takes humility to give your whole self to the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord opposes a proud heart that actually resists giving themselves fully to the Holy Spirit. So we have a responsibility to be yielded and surrendered in our whole being to the Holy Spirit. He is to take our whole life. He is to fill us completely. We can do nothing apart from Him. He is the Spirit of Christ. We need Him desperately. And any pride in your heart, the Lord is actually going to oppose that. He needs your humility to actually give you that grace. He wants to give you the grace. We need His grace. (laughs) But we need to submit to God. We need to submit to His destiny, His purpose and plan for our lives. I'm going to hop quickly back into 2 Corinthians um, chapter 7, verse 1. And Paul says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement in flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We are responsible once we are clean to remain clean. You can, you can defile your body by giving it to, to others, to, by giving it to people who are unbelievers, by giving it to people who are believers before you're married to them. You can defile your body. You can defile the temple and you don't just sin against them, you sin against your own body. So there, there is a call and there is a reverence for the treatment of our temple 
because of what it's made for, because it's made for the Holy Spirit. It's to, to be pure, to be sanctified, to cleanse ourselves from defilement of body and spirit. We're to be a spiritually clean and pure people, without agenda in our heart, without presumption. And we perfect this holiness that He has given us in the fear of God. The fear of God protects us. It keeps us safe. It's the beginning of knowledge and understanding. We need the fear of God because He is the one who can destroy the body and the soul. We are not to fear the one who can destroy the body. Okay? Not to fear the devil. We can resist him and he will flee. Young men, you have overcome the devil. Greater is he that is in you, referring to the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world. There is no fear for the devil. And, and I'm sorry if you have feared him and that he has caused you fear. But the one to be feared is God. And he deserves our fear. Our fear is a gift to him. It's actually we honor him by giving him our fear, not some puny little devil. Okay? So there's a life in the spirit we're called to. It's the only life we're called to. We're not called to a life in the flesh. We're not called to a natural life. We're called to a life in the spirit. Uh, Romans 8, verse 5 through to 12. Verse 6 says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Verse 9, However, you are not in flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is, is the call of God on our life. We are to live in the Spirit. It is a permanent place. It's not a temporary place. We don't float from being in the Spirit to out of the Spirit. We give ourselves to being in the Spirit. And it is the evidence that He dwells in us, the Spirit of Christ, that we belong to Christ. Religion doesn't give you the Holy Spirit. Your good works does not give you the Holy Spirit. A heart that is actually humble and, and lowly and comes to Him empty to be filled is a heart that will receive the Holy Spirit when you respond to the blood of Jesus. That it's a call and response to the blood of Jesus that you can be cleansed, be made holy by His blood and enter into this newness of the Spirit in the new covenant of His Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1 Verse 21 and 22 says, He who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. There's beautiful layers here. There's Paul reflecting that we're established in Christ and anointed, and this is through God. We are also sealed through the giving of the Spirit into our hearts as a pledge. A pledge is a guarantee of, of the things to come. It's a guarantee that we are fully His in this, in this time, in this place, and we will be fully His in the eternity to come. Galatians 5, verse 16, 18, 24, and 25. Paul says, But I, walk, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Verse 18, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It's for us to feast on this. Walking by the Spirit, 
directly relates to you not carrying out the flesh, you not carrying out its desires. They actually oppose, they're, they're, they're a contradiction to each other. You can't be in the flesh and in the spirit at the same time. You're walking, just talks about step by step, day by day, walking in the spirit, you will not carry them out. And if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. There is no law of sin and death upon us, which means shame and condemnation has no place in a son of God, in one who is led by the spirit. It has no place because there, there is no law of sin and death speaking that over you. There is the law of grace. There is the, the law of his love, which speaks that better word, that better word of mercy and love and the cleansing and forgiveness of your sin, that he has fully removed sin from you as well as the consequences of it. And we are free to walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about that. for freedom we were set free. In verse 25, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. This phrase, walk by the Spirit, in the Greek is stocheo, which is actually referring to the march of a soldier and the direction of one's life. That you walking by the Spirit is like you coming to the Lord as a soldier to walk by the empowering of His grace and His Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5, 5, 5 says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So our trust in God's love and our trust in Him means that we don't have disappointment in this area of receiving His love because it's been poured out through the Holy Spirit into our hearts. John 14, verse 16 and 17 and 26 Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, that is the Spirit of truth. Verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. John 15, 26 and John 16, verse 7, when the helper comes, whom I'll send from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is so confident in the Holy Spirit. Verse 7 offends me, because he's saying it's an advantage Imagine you're a disciple when Jesus is saying this. It's an advantage that I leave you physically. You've been walking with me for three years, seeing me perform every miracle, every healing. I've been teaching you. I've been eating with you. I've been communing with you every day for these last three years. And Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I leave and that I give you the Holy Spirit. This is a time to reflect on do we treat the Holy Spirit like He is an advantage to the living physical Christ walking with us? Because Jesus isn't, He's not offering a lofty opinion. Yes, in humility He prefers the Holy Spirit, but this is a genuine opinion of Christ that is truth, that it is your advantage that you have the Holy Spirit, <laughs> even in tension with having Christ physically walking with you every day. It should offend us, and I want it to offend you guys because it offended me. 
That is how good the Holy Spirit is. We need to repent for our revelation of His goodness. Because do we treat Him like Jesus treats Him? This is where I want us to go together. Do we treat the Holy Spirit like our whole life depends on Him? That we are nothing without Him? Do we treat Him like a thing in the room? Or do we treat Him like a person who transformed and changed our life? It is the Spirit of Christ. There is, not, there is not a separation in what the Spirit of Christ did in you in resurrecting you from the dead. It was the Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead that dwells in you. There is, there is a desperate need to honour and revere the Holy Spirit. A desperate need. John 16, verse 13, 14. When, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. Verse 14, He will glorify Me, for He will take of Mine and will disclose it to you. The Spirit of truth. He will guide us in all truth. He actually doesn't speak of his own initiative. He's in submission and in honor of the Father. He speaks only what the Father speaks. We see Jesus had the same relationship with the Father as the Holy Spirit does. He didn't do a thing or say a thing that the Father wasn't doing or saying. Verse 14, he'll glorify me. Jesus is reflecting on Holy Spirit's role in our life to actually glorify and exalt and magnify Jesus. And this word glorify is doxazo, which is to praise, magnify, celebrate, make glorious, adorn with luster, clothe with splendor, make renowned, illustrious, render excellent, to cause the dignity and worth to become manifest and acknowledged. This is what the Holy Spirit will do in our life in, in relationship to Jesus. The Holy Spirit in and through us will praise and magnify and celebrate Christ. It will make Him glorious. Our flesh, separate from the Spirit, is hopeless and worthless to glorify our King. The flesh is weak. The Spirit is willing. The Spirit is able in us, when we are submitted and yielded to Him, to fully glorify Jesus. It is His joy to glorify Jesus. It is joy to make Him renowned. Which, what else are we living for? What else are we living for but to lift up the name of Jesus and lift up the person of Jesus and glorify Him in every aspect of our lives? We need the Holy Spirit for that. We are, we are not fit and able to do that apart from Him. Second Corinthians 9, verse 8, 10 and 11. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in everything for all liberality. We need the God of grace. And the greatest gift of grace is the Holy Spirit. And that gift of grace in our lives gives us all sufficiency in everything. This is teaching 
these scriptures, these verses are teaching on a relationship between what we can see in the natural of actually sowing and reaping, but then a relationship with that of our whole life because we know that sowing and reaping in finances doesn't give you um, a reaping of righteousness. You can't buy your way into righteousness. You can't give something physically to receive the righteousness of Christ. This is talking about a spiritual relationship um, where Galatians 6, 8 embodies it beautifully. It says, the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. It's actually a sowing into the life of the Spirit, sowing and giving yourself, investing in the Holy Spirit that we're actually going to be able to enter into this multiplication of our seed for sowing and an increase of the harvest of our righteousness, that we would be enriched in everything. The Holy Spirit wants to do this in each of our lives. And He, and he is able, by the grace that He is, that He gives to us to carry this out. And this word for all liberality is haplatas, which talks about a singleness and a sincerity. This is verse 11. You'll be enriched in everything for all liberality. It might even say generosity in your translation. But it talks of a virtue of one free from pretense and hypocrisy. That the Holy Spirit in your life wants to enrich you in everything and God wants to enrich you in everything so there will be a freedom with no pretense or hypocrisy and you're giving with liberality, giving with generosity. The, the embodiment of the definition is not self-seeking, an openness of heart manifesting itself by generosity. So the Holy Spirit in us carries this out, enables us not to be self-seeking, not to be selfish. It's only by the Spirit of God and His grace that we are able to actually resist the flesh and it be crucified. The resistance to the point where it is made extinct is what he actually made us to die to through the body of Christ. Sin has no place in your life. Christ paid the price for it to be dead and crucified in your life. And for you to enter into a freedom of not self-seeking and an openness of heart that's manifesting itself by generosity in your hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Paul says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves, to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Verse 6, who also made us sufficient as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In these verses, an understanding of Christ and the Holy Spirit in us is our sufficiency from God. We're not in and out of ourselves sufficient or capable or adequate or enough for the fulfillment of God's plans, purpose and destiny in our life. We need the Holy Spirit to flow through us completely and give us all sufficiency. We're enough with the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are not. And it's the letter which kills but the Spirit which gives life. The letter speaking of that, the law of sin and death over you without the Spirit of God in you will kill you religious people in the sense of who are trying to fulfill every obligation and law of of the word there is not life there because they need the spirit of life to empower them by his grace to fulfill any of them for me to stand here and say i love god is a miracle i i was hostile towards god i was against god it is a miracle that by his spirit he's enabled me to love him it is a privilege that we get to love him you didn't have a good heart. Your heart 
if you've received him has been changed and transformed so now you're enabled to love God you couldn't fulfill the commandments that Christ says all of the law and the prophets hang off you couldn't love God and you couldn't love your neighbor without Jesus actually cleansing you renewing you giving you the Holy Spirit breathing life into you giving his love to you pouring his love within your heart you're hopeless to fulfill the commandments that the, the whole Bible hinge off which is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So it is by the grace of God I can stand here and it is a miracle by the power of God that I can say I love Him. That is the work of the Holy Spirit and He deserves glory and honor for that, that we can even say we love Jesus. We couldn't say that before. We couldn't say we loved Him before the Holy Spirit touched us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul is reflecting on what God has said to him. He has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. This word sufficient here in the Greek is archaeo, which talks of being possessed of unfailing strength. We know the context of, of this scripture is that Paul is struggling. Paul is not finding strength within himself to overcome what he is going through. God gives him a revelation that his grace is sufficient for him and that his weakness is an opportunity for God's power to be perfected and made complete in it. Which is why we, it's not about this appearance of strength or perfection. We can be as weak and humble as we literally can. And I encourage you to be as weak and as humble as you possibly can. Because you'll be protected and in a safe place where God's power, God's sufficiency, His Spirit in you is going to be what empowers you and carries you through. Burnout only happens when we're relying on our own strength and our own ability. Holy Spirit doesn't burn out. Holy Spirit is a raging fire <laughs> and he's the oil that is the fuel for it. We just bring an empty vessel. It's important for us to understand this. He is the oil, he is the fuel and God is the fire, he is the flame. He is the holy consuming fire. We just come to him with an empty vessel and ask him to fill us and he is faithful and he is a good father who doesn't give us bad gifts and if we ask He'll generously, lavishly, and without measure pour out His Holy Spirit. He is not limited in His desire to give us the Holy Spirit. This word archaeo also embodies to be satisfied and to be contented. So His grace in our life will satisfy us like nothing else can. His love in our life will satisfy us like nothing else can. The world will taste like bitterness and like nothing compared to the satisfaction and the love of Christ in us. Let us hunger, let us thirst for this. He is faithful to satisfy us and He'll make us content. He'll give us a peace that is not of this world. It's a peace that surpasses the ability for our mind to comprehend and understand it that transcends that very place in our being and actually takes over our being. Anxiety, fear and depression have no place in you because the peace of God is greater. 
if we receive his peace, if we receive him as the Prince of Peace in our life, he is faithful to give us that peace that transcends. If we come to him humbly, praying, seeking with supplication and petitioning, he will give us that peace and it will transcend understanding. Fear and anxiety have no place in us. We can give them as offerings to be burnt up and, and destroyed. They have, no, they have no place in us. There is no, there is no soil for them to root in unless we empower the enemy and believe the lie. The spirit of truth is faithful to rip out every lie, every deception, everything that is actually preventing you from entering into deeper relationship and intimacy with him. It is the Holy Spirit. It's for us to ask of him and he is faithful to pour out the Holy Spirit on us. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, but when, when, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. This is talking about the law being removed from our eyes. The referencing is even the, the Mosaic covenant of the law. But when we turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. And I even encourage you guys just to, just to close your eyes for a moment because I actually feel that the law has been, been done away with. It's been fulfilled by Christ. We live by a different law. There's a different fulfillment of the law that we enter into, which is the, the law of love. Just to love God and love our neighbor as ourself, empowered by His Spirit. But there's things actually that I'm, I'm feeling and sensing that there's actually veils that don't need to be there that can be removed by His Spirit. And, it, and it's through the turning to the Lord and He is faithful to remove that veil. It goes on to say, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He wants to free you from that veil that is, that is hanging over your eyes and preventing you from seeing clearly, that is fogging your sight, that is getting you to focus on things that aren't of great importance in comparison to the importance of Him. He wants your eyes single and clear. And the Holy Spirit is, is able to give that freedom. He's going to have you clearly seeing and you're going to be looking at the prize, which is Him, through crystal clear eyes. Matthew 6.22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. This word clear is haplus, which talks about being single, whole, and sound or good. So your, your, the clarity of your eye is important. It is, it is the lamp onto your body, what you're looking at, and I'm talking spiritually here. But also what you look at in the natural is going to affect this, but I'm talking spiritually here. It is so important for you to keep your eye pure and clear. And we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to remove anything that is hindering our sight, anything that is inhibiting us from seeing clearly or preventing our sight from actually being focused on Jesus. We need to repent of these things that are taking our focus and attention. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Because the verse that precedes that, which is verse 21, says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The treasure is not a thing, the treasure is a person. The treasure is not a thing, the treasure is a person. We want our heart to be in Jesus. 
he, he is what we're giving ourselves to and He is where our heart will be if that's where our treasure is. If we treasure Him, your heart will be there also. 2 Timothy 1 verse 14 says, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. The treasure is Christ. The treasure is the kingdom of God that He freely gives to us and is pleased to give to us that it's worth once discovering in that field, it's worth you selling everything to possess the field that has that treasure. It's worth you giving everything to just have the opportunity to possess Him. He is worth our everything. And we we need His help to actually see that clearly. Because if we withhold from Him, we're withholding the glory that is due His name. We're withholding what He is deserving of, what He bled on the cross for. He bled on the cross so you can give Him everything and He'll take your life when you give it to Him. Lose your life so that you may find it. He's deserving of your whole life. It is for us to come to Him with our whole being and give it to Him. And I, and I ask that, that the Spirit of Christ would give you the grace to enter into that. We need His grace. We, we are not sufficient. We are not enough. We are not adequate on our own. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite the the worship team up, if that's okay. I would love to... um, Read a, read a poem over you just as the musicians begin to do what they do. Uh, if you'd like to close your eyes or keep them open, that's up to you, but I'd love to just read this over you. Without you, I am wordless to even whisper the wonders of the works of my Messiah's hands. I am hopeless to glorify my King without you breathing within. Insufficient, inefficient, and ineffective to fulfill any of the purpose of my design. Hopeless and homeless, spiritually dead and destitute. Without you, I have no risen King He would lie motionless in the tomb. Without you, Holy Spirit, no new life, never born again in spiritual womb, only left to wait for the flames of death to consume. No promise of salvation, no seal for day of redemption, rejection and disappointment all I would have ever known never accepted in or adopted by the Beloved. Without Him, true life and peace a fantasy, true worship an impossibility, fathering from God unfathomable, orphanhood only what's understood, enslaved to fear and sin without Him, no liberating, no freedom or truth to walk in. I just encourage you guys to, to just meditate on the beauty of the Holy Spirit, on, on how much we need Him, on, on how much we depend on Him, and, 
And those of you who haven't, haven't let him in, I would even encourage you to take a moment to think about Jesus' blood and what he's paid for your life and paid to have you as his home. He wants you to be his home. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with the spirit of adoption that says, you are my son, you are my beloved, whom I'm well pleased with. He wants to join to your spirit. He won't force himself in. He will ask, will you be joined with me? And the Lord will make you one with his spirit. Just honor you, Holy Spirit. Just give you, give you my whole life. Give you my whole being. Take all of me. I want to give you all of me. Yeah, remove any hindrance. Remove any impurity. Remove anything preventing me from drawing close to you. Humble my heart, Lord. Humble my heart. Search my heart. Sift through any anxious care or worry. Give me your peace. Permeate me with your peace, Jesus. Permeate me with who you are. Touch us, Jesus. I pray you would touch yeah, these sons and daughters in this room with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come as you desire to come. I pray you would fill as you desire to fill. Yeah, you would touch hearts in a way only you can. I even speak the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus over those hard hearts in this room to be softened by your blood, Jesus, to be responsive to the voice of the living God. He's calling your name. He's saying, come close to me. I love you. I gave myself to have you. I gave myself to be with you, to be reconciled to you. His love is in the room. He is in the room beckoning you. Let him draw you deeper. Let him draw you into a place of love and adoration and affection. Yeah, let him consume you. You're created to be consumed by the love of God. You're created to be consumed by his holy fire and his passion. Yeah, you're created to be the decanter full of wine. The wine is the Holy Spirit. You find your purpose in housing the Holy Spirit, in hosting the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we give you glory, Son of God. We give you glory, King Jesus. We lift your name. We honor your name. You're beautiful. You are holy. You're worthy of our whole lives. Let us not withhold ourselves from you, Jesus. By your grace, by your spirit, enable us to worship you and give us, give ourselves to you freely. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you in this place. We make room for you. Come. Come, Jesus. Come and touch us, Lord. Come and be with us. We want you. We want your inhabitation. We want your inhabitation, Jesus. Yeah, I thank you that I hear you knocking on hearts, Jesus. You are knocking. May you answer. Respond to the Lord. Respond to the Lord. He wants you. He desires you desperately. He is jealous for you. He is jealous for the spirit he made to dwell in you, to fill your whole being. Holy Spirit, fill our beings. Those who are willing and those who are desiring and hungry. Yeah, may even in your own hearts you begin to cry out for the Lord. Yeah, and ask for him to come. He will fill you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.